Hey there, who wants to be more blessed? I do. This is the Something to Bless podcast. And on this show, we are going to talk all things faith, mindset, and behaviors. If I'm speaking your language, stick around. If we want to be more blessed, we got to give God something to work with. And I'm going to help you to do just that. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Barbara Guillen at barbaraguillen.com. How are you guys? I am suffering with allergies. I hate the spring because of that. I shouldn't say hate. It's such a strong word. But I always suffer and I get scolded by my husband because I never take anything for it. I don't know why. I don't know what, what my problem is around that. But I do suffer. My eyes are itchy and my nose is itchy. My throat gets like everything is just itchy. So I do need to do something about it once and for all. Hey, so I have a few announcements before we get into our special, very special guest today. First, if we're not friends on Instagram, let's be friends on Instagram. That is my place to hang out and connect with you, get to know you. And I love Instagram. I have fun over there. So let's connect. Uh, you can find me at underscore Barbara Guillen. Oh, there's so many Barbara Guillens. I never. I thought it was such a unique name. And it's in the show notes. So I know the spelling for my last name is not too common, but you can always find that easily in the show notes. Also, today is April 12th, which means you only have three days to get into the Made New course slash program at a major discount, which will never, ever be priced this low. I did it just because it's my first time launching it. So you save quite a bit if you get in by April 15th. So you can learn more. You can go to barbaraguillen.com and click on the life coaching tab for more detail, more information on that. You can reach out to me anytime and I am always happy to talk to you about how I might be able to serve you. If you're just someone who's ready for that next level of growth in any area of your life. So we're talking finances, relationships, health, your faith, whatever it may be. If you're just, if you're ready for growth and change and new, this is for you. Let's talk. Get in. Get in where you fit in. All right. So as I mentioned, we have a very, very special guest, Mr. Jordan Rayner. You're going to love him. I first was introduced to him three, maybe four years ago. He was a guest on one of my earlier mentors podcasts, Patrice Washington. She interviewed him and I just instantly fell in love with his energy and whatever he was saying on that particular episode. So his ministry, his platform is all teaching us Christians about how our work matters forever, for eternity. And it's all based on biblical truth. So that is his platform. He's also the author of some best-selling books, which I have all three. So that is uh, my personal favorite, The Called to Create book, Master of One, Redeeming Your Time, and his latest children's book, which he's going to share more about with us today on this episode, The Creator in You. It is such an amazing book. He also is the host of The Call to Mastery, which is his weekly podcast, as well as many other things. He is the CEO of a tech startup company, Threshold 360. He's a man on a mission. He's got a lot going on. So you're going to enjoy the conversation with him. One thing, I'm going to put it out right now because I'm so disappointed in myself. I was so excited thinking I had all my mic and tech and everything set and ready to go because I do value quality sound, especially when 
there's a guest on any podcast that I listen to. And so here I was thinking I had everything squared away and set up. And he sounds great. And thank goodness, because he's a professional, first of all, so he knows what he's doing. But uh, his quality, he talks more than I do. So that's, that's a good thing for me. I'll just say it, my quality is not the best. And so I'm, I'm, I was really disappointed after we ended the interview and I listened back and realized that my quality sucks. But it's not too awful. I think you guys can look past it and still enjoy everything that is shared in this interview and really just hear the message and apply it to the work that you do in your life today and the significance in all the work that we all do. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jordan Rayner. All right, you guys, you are in for such a treat. Jordan Rayner is in the house. Jordan, thank you so, so much for just giving us your time um, to be on the show. Barbara, it's a joy to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yes, so excited. I can't even fully express it because you might hang up and just end it immediately. But so I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to control myself here. Okay, so you have um, a really exciting project, we'll call it for now, that we, we're going to talk about for sure. We're going to get to it, but I want to, I'm going to get a little nosy because I, you know, I want to take advantage of my time with you here today and learn a little bit more about you and share you with my audience. So yeah. first things first, if I recall, you did share that you live in Tampa, Florida? I do. Yeah. My, my family... According to my grandmother, my abuela, uh, says that we've been in Tampa for six generations. I don't trust her math fully, uh, but until I hear otherwise, that's the story I'm sticking with. So yes, six generation, Tampa native. We love Tampa, Florida. It's such a great place to call home. Um, Yeah, we love it here. Okay, that's really nice to hear because, and I'm asking this for a reason, my 19-year-old is up and moving, leaving California to go to Tampa, Florida in two weeks. And we are zero generation. So we don't know anybody there. So your wife is, is it Kate? Kara. Yeah. Kara, you, I mean, I hate to break this, but you guys might have to be emergency Uncle Jordan. And- That's fine. Put us on the list. We're emergency contacts. That's fine. Yeah. So she's moving to Tampa. Like I said, we're moving. Awesome. Um, well, I'm going to drive her up there. So it'll be a three-day driving wow. trip. She hasn't even been to Tampa before. so this She's going to love it. I, I have a feeling she will. She's been to Florida a few yeah. times and just loves the Florida air. I don't know. Well, if you've been to Florida and you haven't been to Tampa, I, I mean, T- Tampa really is this unique city. I'll, I'll say this. I don't, I, I, I appreciate a lot of other cities in Florida, but I think Tampa is the only place I would want to call home within our great state. Uh, it's just beautiful. It's got everything. You're really close to the beaches. Uh, but you're also, you know, an hour away from Disney. I was at Disney all weekend with my kids uh, and my wife. And so, yeah, it, it's just a wonderful place to live. We have wonderful churches uh, all throughout the Tampa area. We just, we love it here. It's a great place. Oh, that's so amazing. And, and good to know, hear your excitement about yeah. where my daughter's going. Okay. Which leads me to the next thing is I was used to seeing stories of the girls, the little ones, and I haven't <laughs> seen anything lately. So I don't know if, if I'm not seeing things or you're not posting, but either way, I want to just a quick update on them because I am one of those yeah. who's cuckoo for kids. And I want to also know if your little one is still throwing fits. Yes. Good question. So, uh, Barbara, you, you follow me on Instagram and, uh, I used to post a lot of stories of my kids on Instagram. I had three daughters 
Ellison, who's seven, Kate, who's five, and then Emery, who is two and a half years old. And um, yeah, I've taken an Instagram hiatus, maybe permanently. I'm not sure. TBD. My team is still posting content for me, but I'm not posting anything personally. Uh, But to answer your question, yes, my two and a half year old is throwing fits like it's her job. Like we were at Disney this weekend. And, you know, I, I feel bad for the kid. You know, she didn't get her nap, whatever. But it makes Disney quite the experience when your two and a half year old just wants to scream about everything. It was it was something. I'll just say that. Oh, I love it. And I, I just have to laugh because my youngest is now 13. And so I don't I'm not around little ones anymore. My nieces and nephews all live six hours away. And so whenever I get to see cute little kids, and especially when I hear that they are criers or fit flowers, <laughs> it cracks me up. Yeah. And I know we're going to miss this time. That's what everybody tells me. So we are trying hard every day to yeah. enjoy it. I shouldn't say that. We don't have to try that hard. They're 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 wonderful, truly. It gets challenging at times, yeah. but yes, you push through and you keep that in mind and you'll be just fine. Okay. Well, I it's just a hunch, but I have a feeling that we come from very different backgrounds. And so I wanted to ask you if you are from the church, if you've always been raised in the faith and that's always been your your path. Uh, no, actually. Uh, so, um, I grew up, my, my parents were Catholic in name only. Right. Um, and for some reason, when I was five years old, they decided to send me to an evangelical Christian school. Uh, and I came home one day after first grade, I must've been seven ish at the time and told my parents that I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And my dad kind of freaked out. I'm not going to lie, right? Like, uh, blame the school for brainwashing me. And in retrospect, I'm like, dad, what'd you expect? He sent me to this like, you know, Protestant Christian school. Uh, so, but through the ministry of that school, my parents came to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, as did my brother. Uh, so I'm so grateful for the ministry of that school. So yeah, no, I didn't really grow up in the church. I mean, we started going, um, to a Southern Baptist church, maybe when I was, I don't know, I must've been like 11 or 12. Uh, and then, and then went all throughout that. But for me, my faith didn't become really relevant to me. I would say until let's say high school, but really seriously college. I had a great church, local church. I was a part of in college, a great college pastor. It was a Presbyterian church I was going to. And that's, where I really started to get more serious about following Jesus. Wow. And so you were at a Christian school elementary, like throughout? Even yeah, K through 12. Yeah. Uh, kindergarten through 12th grade. Wow. Okay. So that helps, right? With kind of staying. In yeah, the- it does. It could be a blessing and a curse, right? Uh, you know, I, I, I think the, the ch- Christian schools have a lot of value, uh, but they also have a lot of, challenges in that you you kind of take the gospel for granted in a way right because you're hearing about all the time and it's it becomes familiar so familiar to you in fact that i think it can be easy to forget it it just kind of fades in the background as white noise in a way and i think that's what christianity was for me for for a lot of years it's like no i get it i've heard all these stories a million times i just am not connecting it to my life in like a real practical, relevant way. Um, and so honestly, like 
and I, I don't blame my parents for this. Like they, they were young believers when I was in the home, but it's part of what I'm trying to do with my young kids now is helping them connect everything in life, right? To God. Like we were at, we were at um, Epcot yesterday uh, at, at Walt Disney World. And we were in the aquarium there looking at the um, looking at the whales and looking at the manta rays. And I was like, guys, how awesome is God? How creative is God that he created a 500-pound stingray, right? That's awesome. How awesome is our God? It's little things like that, right? But just helping them to connect the, the, the world and the world of work and everything to the God of the Bible to make that God more awesome in their eyes and make them want to be fully engaged in God's mission in the world. Yes. I love that. And I had to giggle a little bit because your kids are little. And so they're more likely just, you know, like listening to you and hearing you and having thoughts go through their mind where as my kids are older and I'm the same way with everything. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe God created, you know, and I'll go, I'll get so into it. And my kids, you know, they're already 25, 19, and like I said, 13. And so I don't get that same appreciative (laughs) response from them. But I love that you do that with them and they're being so young because they are going to see things differently and really appreciate God's hand in all things. That's what we're praying. They they will. (laughs) I'm, I'm declaring it. They will. Okay, great. I love it. Great. I love how confident you are. I love it. Done. Um, okay. So for, where did you go to college? I went to Florida state university. That's where I met my wife, my now wife. Yeah. Nice. And she was of the faith or. Yeah. She grew up in the church. Uh, so she, or her her parents were, are very serious followers of Jesus. Um, yeah. So we met there up in Tallahassee, my first week, first weekend there, uh, didn't start dating for a few years. Um, but yeah, she's the love of my life. We've been married almost 13 years and yeah, just having a lot of fun together. That's amazing. I love that. That makes it easier when you find somebody that's, yeah. you know, on the same path as you. Exactly. And so then I, I was curious if you, after college, you, or even throughout college, cause you're an adult by then, but if you had, if you've always been an entrepreneur or if you had normal jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of quote unquote, normal jobs. Uh, in fact, when I was in college, I did different internship every single semester. Uh, I took some time off to go work in the Bush white house before I graduated. And, um, actually, you know, politics was my first professional love. When I was in the eighth grade, uh, I became obsessed with the political process, uh, to where I was just a, a, a devout student of it all throughout high school, all throughout college, um, honestly, I spent like eight years really studying it, learning about it, practicing it. My first quote unquote real job was when I was 17. I was a senior in high school and ran a countywide campaign here in Tampa, which by God's grace alone, we we won. I was shocked. So that was, that was the first love. Uh, it wasn't until I graduated Florida State and was kind of considering these two career paths uh, of staying in political campaigns or, or moving to the world of entrepreneurship that I pivoted. Uh, and even then it was a soft pivot because the tech startup I ran, I was hired right out, right out of college to be the CEO of this tech startup um, that was in the political space, right? So it was kind of, it was the perfect pivot point for me. It was still political, 
but it was also in the world of tech entrepreneurship. So I did that, ran that company for about 18 months and we, we grew it uh, substantially. Um, and then, yeah, had a couple after that, started a couple of ventures of my own, started and sold them and really spent the first 10 years of my career as a tech entrepreneur until um, about two and a half years ago when uh, I stepped down from a very large tech startup I was running as CEO to focus on the work I'm doing today, creating books, podcasts, and other types of content really aimed at helping people understand that the work they do in this world matters deeply to God and thus matters for eternity. I I think that's a pretty unexplored topic in the church today. And so Lord willing, I'm committing the next, I don't know, 50 years of my life to beating this drum and saying it as many, as many different ways as I can. Yes. And you're actually the one who inspired me to, I did a podcast on the value of our work and the importance of our jobs. <clears throat> and I remember getting um, some feedback from listeners on, wow, like this really opened my eyes. You know, a lot of people feel like they're in jobs that don't matter or that their yeah. work doesn't count or isn't meaningful when in fact, like you said, every single job has such a powerful purpose and, and deep meaning to it. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I mean, this is what we see all throughout scripture, right? You look at, you look at Genesis one, um, before God tells us that he is love, before he tells us that he's all powerful, before he tells us that he is just and merciful and gracious, he tells us that he's a God who works, right? Like Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created, right? It, 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 this is radical, right? And if we, if we can understand that God himself creates, that God himself works, it gives untold dignity and meaning to the work that so many of us do today. Yes. And that's so empowering. Just knowing that and being reminded of that is so empowering. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, have you ever considered being a pastor? Yeah. You know what? I did for a, for a little bit. Uh, when I was selling my second company, my I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And you know, the most logical thing that you do after you sell your second company is you go start a third. So that was the plan. But for a hot minute there, my wife and I were praying about planning a church uh, because I felt at the time that that was the only thing that really had quote unquote eternal value, right? If I really wanted my life to last for eternity, I had to either go move to a mud hut 5,000 miles away from home and be a quote unquote full-time missionary or plant a church. And it was by the grace of God. I, I had a mentor in my life pull me aside one day. He knew what I was thinking about doing. And he's like, hey, Jordan, I hear you're thinking about planning a church. And I'm thinking that this guy's going to like pat me on the back or write me a check to help start this church. And he just looked at me and he's like, yeah, I got to be honest. That just sounds really dumb. Really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a guy who like led Bible studies at my church, like whatever. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, listen, like I've watched you run your companies. Um, you're clearly a gifted entrepreneur. You created a lot of jobs. You create a lot of wealth. Why do you think you have to plant a church to quote unquote do ministry? Like, don't you get that your work as an entrepreneur is 
ministry. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And so I went back to Genesis 1 and started reading my Bible to understand what God's word has to say about work. Uh, and really started to understand this idea that ministry, this big churchy word we love to use, really just means service. That's it. And what do we do when we we are great entrepreneurs or great at any job in the world? It's serving other people, right? Now, there's some bad work in the world, right? If you're peddling pornography, that is not good work that is blessed by God. Sorry, like uh, it's just not going to happen. But most work in this world is good, is leading to the flourishing of other human beings. And because God himself did that type of work, it is the utmost dignity and meaning and purpose. And we can get into all the other things God's word has to say about how our work matters and and their legion. Uh, But that right there in Genesis 1 is really the key, really understanding that God worked. And not only did he work, but he created us to work, right? Adam and Eve worked before the fall, before Genesis 3, before sin entered the world, and thus work was perfect worship before. And this is really kind of the core idea behind this children's book I'm releasing right now called The Creator in You. I want my kids and your kids, even if they're adults, and the kids in the lives of your listeners to really grasp this idea at an early age. Because I think when they do, they're going to view their current work, whether it's homework or chores, whatever, and their future careers with unparalleled God-ordained purpose and enthusiasm and joy. Yes. And, you know, my daughter that I mentioned earlier, who's moving to Tampa, she's 19, so she's still very young, but she's been working in the restaurant since she was 16. And being a hostess and, and um, I forget what the other job is, busser, I think it's called. or Yeah. They're all, it's hard working in a restaurant. It's a lot of physical hard. And you deal with, you know, rude people and you... There's a lot that goes on in restaurants as a, an employee and especially young employee. And there were a lot of days where she would just complain so much and be so, you know, reluctant to go back the next day. And I would try to encourage her and I would always try to remind her. I would always reminded her of her purpose in this time and her her role that she serves to others, you know, even working in a restaurant, no matter what job you're performing, it's like you you carry such power and purpose every day that you're there you're sir you know it's the way that you're showing up who you're being in that role that is totally so totally i mean you know the apostle paul wrote to slaves i'm not going to get into you know first century slavery versus what we understand slavery as in our modern context but to slaves he said work heartily as unto the lord knowing that there's a reward for us who do that, right? Uh, we, regardless of our station, regardless of our position in life, we are called to work heartily as unto the Lord, not for human masters, because number one, it brings glory to our heavenly father. And number two, there are eternal rewards waiting for us as we do that work without grumbling and complaining, without arguing with joy and as a means of reflecting the joy of God who works himself. Yes. I will say a big amen to that. I, I, um, 
left my teaching job last year and every day was extremely difficult and challenging for me to show up. But I, I kept that, everything you just said, I kept that at the top of my mind and in my heart and it got me through every day. And I did, I was able to find the joy in each day, just showing up, knowing who I'm serving. Yeah, exactly. And let me say this too, right? Like uh, it can be easy for me to say these things because I'll be honest, I have a job I love, right? But I've also had jobs I hated. And, and and I didn't understand this theology when I had those jobs. And I wish I did because here, one thing God's word makes crystal clear is that one of those rewards for those who are trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins is eternal work that we're going to love forever, right? We don't talk about this in the church at all. First of all, we have a terrible theology of heaven. Uh, we think that heaven is in the clouds, playing harps and doing nothing but singing for all time. If, if, if that's your perspective on heaven, please go read Isaiah chapter 65, and you're going to totally debunk that myth, right? Heaven eventually comes to earth, and why this matters practically, right, is number one, it fuels our hope, right? Isaiah 65 says that his that the, the God's chosen ones will, quote, long enjoy the work of their hands. It says that we will build houses. It says that we will plant vineyards. And then it ends with, my chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. God's saying that part of our reward is that we will have work to do, but work will be perfect. So imagine the best day you've ever had at work in this life. Multiply that by a billion, right? And that's every day in heaven working alongside King Jesus. That's motivating. It is. It's so exciting to me. <laughs> I get excited when I think about all that. All right. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about your, because you are the author of, and I think I think I own every book that you have. You have um, <laughs> The Call to Create, which is the book that totally inspired me to create my first set of affirmation card decks. And I remember I sent you a copy. Um, I still have them. Yeah. And then Re uh, Master of One was a second book and Redeeming Your Time. So are those all of your books or do you have more that I'm not aware That's of? That's it. We okay. sell, I sell published some years ago, but yeah, those are the ones. Though That's the trio. <laughs> okay. That's the trio. And then we have the fourth one that I'm telling you, I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Okay. Still a few more questions for you. Yeah. Um, so wait, just speaking of, you said self-publishing. So for yeah. somebody like me, I'm, I'm writing a book right now. It's just more of an autobiography um, based on all like my hard life's lessons learned up until now and how I've used it now to glorify God. Would you recommend somebody in my position to self-publish? Yeah, there's a lot of pros and cons uh, to each of these directions. Yeah, here's what I tell people. If you want to publish fast, uh, self-publish. If you don't care about speed, traditional publishing can be a really good route, but it takes forever, forever. It's very hard. To, it's a very hard space to break into. It takes a really long time. I've done both. Currently, uh, I'm on a, a traditional publishing streak. I'm with the world's largest publisher, Penguin Random House, on a five-book deal. Uh, but I don't know. There might come a day where I move back to self-publishing. I don't, I don't know. But right now, I'm on the traditional bandwagon. Okay. That makes sense. But you've done- That's a great non-answer. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. nothing, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. All yeah. right. So something that you always ask your guests on your yeah. show, uh, 
um, is take me through your daily schedule. So I want you to take me through your daily schedule. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I wake up at 5 a.m. every day. I make a cup of coffee and I sit down in front of my Bible, spend some time reading the Bible and responding to what I read in prayer. Uh, and I'm alone in front of my Bible from about 5 to 6 a.m. when my kids wake up, um, my older kids, my seven, my five-year-old. And I hang out with them until about 7, maybe 7.15. I make them breakfast. We do a devotional together as they're eating breakfast, help them get ready for school. Uh, and then I'm usually getting ready myself. So uh, maybe I'm taking a shower. It, it depends on the day. Uh, but I'll go and get ready for my work day. I'm at my desk at 7.45 after I have woken up our baby and rocked her for a little bit and gave her her bottle. Um, and then, yeah, I'm at my desk from 7.45 until 5 o'clock p.m. sharp. I, I almost never go past that. And yeah, the rest of my day, you know, I, I do a two-hour block of deep work from 7.45 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. This is a typical day. It, it never looks, it, it, you know, it always gets adjusted, but 745 to 945, I'm writing the next book, right? Always, right? Monday through Friday. I then go for a 45 minute run slash shower if I didn't shower in the morning, right? Uh, and then I got another two hour block of deep work, a 15 minute break for lunch, another 90 minute block of deep work, 15 minutes to do dishes, uh, and then email calls, shallow work to end my day at five o'clock. Five o'clock, I go downstairs hang out with the kids, play, swim the pool, go outside, whatever. We've got a great neighborhood. There's like 45 kids on our street. So usually they're out there playing and I'm talking to our neighbors and ministering to them. And then, yeah, the bedtime routine. Kids are down. My kids have a super early bedtime. They're, they're in bed by seven. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And then my my wife and I are spending some time together from seven uh, until we go to bed at 845. My head is on the pillow at 845. And then wake up get an hour of sleep, wake up and do it all again. Wow. Okay. What I heard was blocks. You do a lot of time blocks. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I like it's very that. structured. I have a, uh, in, in, in my book, redeeming your time, I call it a time budget template, right? So here's ideally how I want my day to go, but I plan out and budget my time ahead of time, right? You know, all of my friends, have a budget for their money. Almost none of my friends have a budget for their time. And this is like mind boggling to me, right? Like all of us by God's grace can earn more money. None of us can earn more time. So to me, I ought to be even more careful and judicious about spending my minutes, budgeting my minutes before God gives me a fresh supply every morning. And that's exactly what this time budget template construct helps me do. Oh my goodness. That's genius. Because I did uh, just start doing a money budget, and I've been I've gotten so good at it for the, over yeah. the last few years. So I could I could definitely do this with time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's a it's a it's a game changer. So I got a plan for my day, and then when I sit down in the morning, I just execute the plan. I don't have to think about what I'm going to do. Yeah. Just go through and execute. And I like how you break it up with movement. Like you're doing the dishes, you're taking your run, you're taking your shower, or you know. Oh, yeah. You're breaking it up. And, and yeah, I'm a big fan of if you work with your mind, rest with your hands or your feet, right? And if you work with your hands, rest with your mind. Uh, and there's a lot of good science to back this up, right? Like it's, it is, since I work with my mind as a writer, it is far more restorative to my energy if I wash the dishes for 10 minutes than it is to spend 30 minutes reading something, 
right? And that, that'll just drain me even more. But 10 minutes washing dishes or a 20-minute run, that'll get my energy back up to nearly 100%. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Um, I did have a question that I didn't write down, but it popped into my head and now yeah. it's okay. It, it might come back to me. <laughs> okay. Another thing that you always ask your guests that I kind of like, don't ask because I can't stop buying books because you ask <laughs> what your favorite books are. What's your favorite book? What's the one you like to buy for, for as a gift or... All right. So if you want the real answer, like if you looked at my Amazon purchase history and saw what I what I buy the most, it's the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd Jones. Um, we buy it for pretty much everyone we know who has a baby uh, or young kids. It just it just does a beautiful job of helping you see Jesus in lots of stories from the Old Testament and, and of course the New, although those are a little bit on the nose. And honestly. That was part of the inspiration for me doing my own children's book, this book, The Creator in You, um, I, just because I was reading the Jesus Storybook Bible to my kids and loving it. We've read it to them almost every day since they were in the womb. So let's talk about like eight years we've been reading this nonstop. Um, but when it came to Genesis 1 and the telling of the creation account, um, man, I just got increasingly frustrated. Um, at and, uh, Jesus Storybook Bible does a fine job of that story, but we probably, I don't know, we probably have 10 other books on the creation account of Genesis 1, and they all follow the exact same pattern, right? It's day one, God created this, day two, he created that, day three, four, five, six, the end, and they drive me crazy because day six wasn't the end of creation, it was the beginning. It's when God passed the baton to his kids and said, go fill this earth and subdue it. Go create things like I create things that point to my glory. So that's why I wrote The Creator in You. It's basically a three-act play in three minutes, right? Act one, you see God working those first six days, making the animals, blah, 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 blah. But then you quickly get to act two. And it says... Um, I'm trying to remember the line exactly. It says, and now you might think that our story is ending, but in, because every other book on Genesis 1 tells you it ends here. Uh, but in fact, this is just the beginning. God made you to look like him, to act and work and create with him. Because while in six days, God created a lot, there are so many things that he simply did not. Like bridges and baseballs, sandcastles and s'mores, God asked us to create and fill the planet with more. And then you move into act three, the last third of the book, which is just watching these kids with joy fill the earth with art and businesses and tree forts and spaceships and culture, right? Uh, and I love this book and, and honestly, mostly the artwork. It's the most epic and beautiful artwork oh, I've ever seen in my life because I think when kids hear that message, okay, I get it. It's very simple. God works but he didn't want to work alone. That's why he made me was to create alongside him. Very simple message. But when you can communicate that with the epic, inspiring illustrations and artwork of this book, I think kids are going to remember this book forever. I, re I really do. And, and I think 90% of that's the art, to be crystal clear. I'm not patting myself on the back. Uh, but I think when they do, they're, man, they're, they are just the aperture of what they envision 
of jobs that can glorify God is going to expand exponentially. Yes, I agree. And I agree with um, the illustrations. But the, the amazing, beautiful thing about children's books is that you you get to keep it simple. And with yeah. the right word choice uh, and description, it, it is so powerful. This book is, it is a children's book, but I would say like, I'm going to get a copy just for me yeah. because yeah. I love it and I'm yeah. so inspired by it. So let's talk about that. Let's get down yeah. to the nitty gritty now. Okay. Yeah. So we, we mentioned the name of the book. It's The Creator and You. Um, it's available when? Yeah, it's coming out April 19th is the release date, but you could pre-order it right now. So pre-order it right now. I've got one for my niece and my nephew, but I'm going to get one for myself, like I said, because it's just, it's such an amazing book. In you general. know what's funny about this, Barbara? What? This is a story we've heard a lot. Adults who see the artwork, which by the way, if you're curious, you could see um, some samples of the artwork at jordanrainer.com right now. Um, and have bought copies for themselves or their adult friends, which was, if you look at my proposal for the book from three years ago, was a hundred percent the goal, right? I was like, I want this to be a Pixar movie that, 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 that brings joy to kids, but also makes adults weep, right? Like that's what a Pixar movie does. It works on these two parallel levels. And, and my prayer is we pulled that off again with the epic illustrations of my partner, Jonathan David. Yes, that's totally the vibe. Pixar. I didn't I didn't even think of that. But when you say it, that's that is the vibe of this yeah. book. Was it did you was he your friend, the illustrator? Or did you No, know? I yeah, you know, I didn't know him. I gotta give full credit to Penguin Random House on this one. They found John, uh, but he's become a very good friend. And uh our our collective prayer is that we get to do a heck of a lot more of these books together. Yes, yeah, an amazing collaboration for sure. All right. So I have a few questions about the book itself. Yeah. So um, kids, they always love talking about what they're going to be when they grow up. You know, they get asked that question a lot by adults. Um, how do you think that this book is going to shape their answers to that question? Yeah. I, you know, I touched on a little bit before, but go a level deeper. Like my prayer is that it just vastly expands the horizons of what type of work honors and glorifies God. Again, going back to my story when I was considering planning a church, I thought that the only work that was eternally significant was the work of a pastor or full-time missionary. But if I understand, as this book communicates, that God creates, and before he issued the Great Commission, he issued the first commission to Adam and Eve to just fill the earth, basically make things, right? Then that totally changes the game of what type of work can glorify God. I say in the book, it says, um, create new businesses. This is speaking to the kids, create new businesses and movies, medicine and hope, make laws or computers or a new telescope. Because when you work or you make something new, you are doing what God has made you to do. You're showing the world what your father is like, a God who creates to bring people to light. And when you show others the creator in you, you bring joy to the world. And to your father too. So to answer your question, Barbara, my dream for this book is that kids would graduate high school, right? Seeing careers as programmers and pastors and plumbers as equally capable of glorifying God and advancing his kingdom. And I think this book, The Creator in You, can help them catch that vision really early on. I agree. I completely agree. Um, and one of the things mentioning all these different types of jobs is that Jesus was a carpenter himself, a blue collar worker, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. It's pretty wild, right? You know, given the church's theology of work today, you know, again, largely viewing the work of religious professionals such as pastors as more eternally significant than the work of plumbers and marketers, Jesus working as a carpenter should stop us in our tracks, should stop us cold, right? God knew from the beginning of time, of course, Jesus's ultimate purpose for coming to earth to redeem all things. Given that, you would have thought that he would have placed Jesus, you know, maybe in a priestly household, like John the Baptist, where he would spend all of his days praying. It Maybe it would have made more sense for, for God to, to have Jesus grow up in the home of a Pharisee, like the Apostle Paul, where he could spend all day studying the scriptures. But instead, God intentionally placed Jesus in the home of a carpenter where he basically spent his days making things with his hands from what we can understand carpenters did at that time. And on the surface, you know, that truth sounds shocking, but but I would argue it's actually the least surprising thing in all of scripture because the work of Jesus's earthly father, this carpenter named Joseph, wasn't all that different from the work of his heavenly father, right? Again, first thing God says, I'm a creator God. I make things, I create things. And what did Jesus's earthly father do? He made things, right? So I think Jesus is in appearing as a carpenter is just reaffirming the goodness of regular old work, right? Uh, And that's a powerful message that our kids need to hear right now. Yeah. And that he worked with excellence. I think this was, might've been in one of your books. You could tell me uh, the idea that, can you imagine Jesus like making a janky table <laughs> or yeah. measurements are off or, you know, that's not, he set the example for us in that he worked with excellence in this job and in everything he did. Yeah. I mean, and listen, the, the scriptures don't give us a ton of detail on all, all it says is he was a carpenter. That's it. But like, look outside your window and you tell me how God creates. God creates with excellence, right? And oh, by the way, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, I think we can infer from that, we can imply from that, that excellence, or at least the pursuit of excellence, not necessarily the attainment of it, is a prerequisite to that. Why? Because I want excellent products when I go to the grocery store. I expect excellence when people make and sell products and services to me. So if I expect that for for me, I should expect that for myself as I'm working to deliver products and services to others, right? This is just the, the the baseline ministry of excellence, right? And it's also the way that we earn the right. As, as Paul says, we win the respect of outsiders and the opportunity to tell others about Jesus. Yes. I, I, I take a lot of pride in working with excellence just for that, for that reason right there. Yeah. Really? That, mediocrity is winsome to nobody, but everybody loves a winner. Everybody loves a master. And we got to be careful here, right? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not saying that, you know, if your business failed, you're not glorifying God. There's nothing in scripture that says that, right? Our love from the father is secure regardless of how successful we are or how excellent our work is. But I think the pursuit of excellence glorifies the father. That pursuit of an attainment of the difference between those two things is everything. Because if we fall into this lie that God only loves us when we attain excellence, that's a false gospel and totally contrary to scripture. But because he loves us regardless of how we perform, 
that should lead us to want to do excellent work, not because we have to, but because we love our father so much that we want to as an act of worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone just last week or so with somebody, somebody with customer service. I think it was my cell phone carrier. And they had such an amazing, friendly attitude. And I was taken aback because that is rare in these days. Like this person went above and beyond just to be polite and you know attentive. And I acknowledged him at the end of it, like, thank you. That was, you are so nice. And I can tell like he had the biggest smile because I don't yeah. know how often he gets complimented on that, but just reminds me of doing everything that we do with that heart and spirit of excellence and wanting to please and glorify God. Yeah. First Corinthians 10 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Yes. And what's the glory of God? Glory of God is just revealing his character. What's his character? Again, look outside your window. His character is excellence and beauty and love. That's it. So do your work in that way and you glorify the father. Tell them Jordan. Yes. <laughs> Well, that was a lot. And I just want to honor you and thank you um, because you glorify God so well in your work. And that's that's the reason I, I you know, stick along and follow along with you, even though you're not on Insta- Instagram so much anymore. Um, speaking of, how can people find you, get in touch with you, reach out? Yeah. Yeah. So you can find a lot of free content around these themes at jordanrainer.com. You can, and that's J-O-R-D-A-N. R-A-Y-N-O-R.com. You can also find links to get the Creator and You children's book. Obviously, you can get wherever books are sold, Amazon, Walmart, Target, wherever you want. Uh, and real quick for your listeners who have kids in their life, if you go to jordanrainer.com before April 23rd, tell me you bought the book. Fill out a form right there. I'm going to send the kids in your life this beautiful decorative sticker with their name literally written on it. So it'll say, to Ellison or to Jackson. May you always abound in the creativity of the father. I'm going to sign it and we're going to ship it to him in the mail. And if your kids are like my kids, the two things they love most in the world are number one, receiving physical mail (laughs) and number two, stickers. So we're checking all the boxes and you can get that right now at jordanrainer.com. Stickers were the thing and yeah, they've gone away. So yes, head over to jordanrainer.com buy your book. You, you guys are going to love, 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 love this book. And I can't wait to have it myself. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so very much for your time and for sharing everything that you share with us. Um, You're a blessing to me for sure. And to so many, I know. So thank you for this talk and uh, we will talk again soon. Thanks, Barbara. Thank you. Hey, if you are ready to make shift happen, then I'm inviting you to be a part of my made new coaching program. You're going to be transformed and elevated to your best self using my weekly instruction as your guide. We are not settling people. Head over to barbaraguian.com. Click the life coaching tab for all the details. I will see you over there.